You know, I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't know, I've never written a song. And then I was just like, oh, watch this. And then we were performing and I couldn't get it out of my brain. I just had to do it all the time. Welcome to the Peach Jam Podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting, where we'll introduce you to a sampling of the truly diverse and incredibly talented musicians who call the Peach State home. Each episode will profile a different artist and share songs and stories recorded live in our GPB studios in Midtown Atlanta. I'm your host, Jeremy Powell, and on this episode, we'll talk to a country duo from Marietta whose life is truly like a classic country song. Elvis on the Ed Sullivan Show. <laughs> I'm Willie Heath Neal. I'm Kira Annalise, and we are the Waymores. And we play country music and of the classic variety. And we're from Atlanta, oh, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're from Atlanta, Georgia. But you're not just from Atlanta. Atlanta's a big city made up of smaller communities. Y'all are from Marietta. We yep. are from Marietta. In East Cobb, and full disclosure, we found out that y'all live like three and a half miles from me. Yeah. And on the same street as one of the guys working here on the cameras. Yeah. It's a small world. It's a I very know. small world. I don't love to, you know, tell everybody that we're from East Cobb. <laughs> 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 not that I don't like East Cobb, I just don't feel, I've never felt like we belonged in East Cobb. And not only are we neighbors now, but you and I grew up in the same Georgia town. We sure did, yeah. Willie is from Rome, Georgia, and so mm -hmm. am I. You went to Coosa High School. I went in to Rome? Coosa High School. Yep. And <laughs> we worked at the same radio at the station. Same radio That's station. That's so wild. <laughs> that first is really wild. One of the first wild. things I wanted to do with this yep. velvety, awesome voice I have was uh, <laughs> to be a disc jockey. And in 1989, I worked at 1470 WRGA. I remember it was 89 because that's did the year. Did you say it like I that? I did. Though? You had to. 1470 okay. WRGA. Okay. That's the year Dwight Yoakam broke and Travis crit the class of 89. Mm -hmm. Randy Travis, all those guys broke that year. I was four. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone Lord. knows. If you had a heart, this song would break it, but you don't. If you had eyes, you would see me aching, but you don't. So I pretend my heart isn't breaking. And being together is like being alone. Ain't much of you left, and I'm mostly gone. My very first job in radio was pushing buttons for Country Gold Saturday night at South 107 in Rome, Georgia. And you're right, the country music you play is the classic variety of country music. Right. Why? It's because we make country music. It comes out that way. We don't, we consider, we all like to say that we're country artists because we make music. It comes out country. We, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't go, oh, I want to be a country act because there's a lot of that going on. I also days. don't really relate to a lot of the more modern country that you hear now. I think it's kind of cookie cutter a little bit. I mean, there's some songs that are good, I'm sure. I just haven't heard them yet. But it's very uh, formulated. And I think the classic country is more like storytelling kind of country. And like he said, when we write, it kind of comes out like we're just talking to somebody and telling a story. 
the country that we love and grew up on, you know, is about, you know, uh, you know, no money, you know, Check. cheating on your woman, your woman cheating <laughs> on you or, you know, Check. a bad job or, you know, something that the common man could relate mm -hmm. to. You know, there's nothing about today's music, country music that comforts me or moves me in any way. And I'm not putting it down to people that enjoy that. I just don't relate to it. Because we're older. <laughs> He's older. <laughs> I am much older. <laughs> I like how you throw that in there. <laughs> Thanks for throwing me under the bus. He's <laughs> a lot older. That's okay. <laughs> and if you had lips, you'd return all my kissing. But you don't, and you don't know what you're missing. If you had ears, you would hear me crying. But you don't. But so you would you would definitely classify yourself as storytellers first yes. and foremost. Yes, one hundred percent. You know that comes from that. Uh, you know I have lots of in influences, and she does too. But one of my favorite songwriters, you know, has uh, has always been John Prine, and the way that guy could paint a story. Mm. You know, and Hank Williams had a lot of that too. It's uh, just so the most simplistic sentence that says so much and it's almost tongue in you know cheek that's yeah. like man uh, that's a beautiful thing about country music is if your heart is broken just say your heart's broken you don't have to come up with some big artistic metaphor that nobody gets mm. to make yourself look more intellectual if your heart's broken just say your heart's broken it's simple it's simple it do, it sounds simple it does it sounds very For us, simple it's very simple does it come easy at times which part all of it <laughs> um Yes and no. Uh, the life, no. The songwriting and creating art, yes. Uh, that part comes fairly easy. There are times it ebbs and flows like most things in life. And there are times when you feel like, oh, I'm never going to write a good song again. Uh, when Willie and I first met, he kind of felt that way about his own career. And I met Willie one night and decided that I wanted to be a musician I learned how to play guitar. She didn't play. I started writing she sang, songs. But she didn't play. And I, well, really, in, in actuality, it was I decided that night that I wanted to date Willie. <laughs> and I knew a way to do that was to become a musician and just try to woo him that way. So I got a guitar and I learned three chords and I went home and wrote a song. And a week later, we played it live on stage. And uh, we still play it every now and then. Yeah. But so songwriting kind of ebbs and flows for us, but it is something that's. When it happens, it happens, and it's a beautiful moment. I have to go back. I want to know what the song was. Like, what what's it about, or what are some of the lyrics that wooed him? Like that first song you the wrote. The very first song. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, for a long time, I lied to everyone and told everyone that it was not about Willie. <laughs> One hundred percent, that song was about Willie, but it was also about the relationship that I was leaving at home. I was married when I met Willie, and it was a failing marriage. And when I saw him on stage in some dive bar in Marietta, 
which I won't mention the name of because I hate it. Because uh, <laughs> that's where she um, <laughs> It just has some really bad memories. I can't imagine what they were. No. Um, so it's a fine establishment. <laughs> it's a fine it's establishment. The song was called We Had Nothing. The song was called We Had Nothing. Because it was my, my initials, initials. W-H-N. I was like, you sneaky. So I was like what? trying to sneak it in there. So I really wrote it about my failing marriage. But it was, I titled it We Had Nothing because I wrote it really for Willie. And uh, it was just about me kind of leaving that and starting anew and starting a new life and really kind of giving up everything that I had known just to be with him and be on a stage. And uh, it was really scary time to leave a family. And, uh, you know, I was a stay at home mom. I didn't know I've never written a song. And then I was just like, oh, watch this. And then we were performing and I couldn't get it out of my brain. I just had to do it all the time. Your entire relationship is a classic country song. That's what I hear. A little bit. That's fantastic. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. It's fitting, right? Yes, it is. It's uh, it's a lifetime movie type thing. Like, this is... The burning bed. I know the best two people to play it. (laughs) (laughs) Someone call Michael Shannon immediately. (laughs) He's going to play you? Yeah. (laughs) Now, tell me about... So you're at the dive bar that you don't like in Marietta, mm-hmm. and you had never played music in your life or written music in your life. I sang a little with a band with my brother, but I had never written anything. I had never played a guitar. Okay. My brother is unbelievable at all things music, mm-hmm. uh, and he makes it look like impo- he plays yeah, so great. fast and so good that it makes it look like really unattainable to somebody okay. watching him because you're just like, that's insane. When I saw Willie playing, I still remember the first song that I, God, I really sound like I love you so much right now. Um, uh, He was playing Junior Brown's Hung It Up uh, on that stage in that bar, and I was just like. Tearing the bar apart. uh, I was killing it. Yeah, you were. He was killing it up there. He was. Uh, I wanted everything on that stage. I wanted him. I wanted the music. I wanted to be on that stage. I wanted to be next to him. I wanted to travel the world. When she would start, you know, I was like, wow, that is a great song that you just wrote for your first song ever. I'm a little jealous. You know, then I would challenge her. I would say, hey, you should try to write a song uh, that's a waltz, or you should try to write a song with only two chords in it and stuff. And she would take the challenge and mm-hmm. come back, stomp me every time. I was like, that is incredible. You, you know, and I'd finish the song and go, date me <laughs> and every time you'd still say no yeah she was very mm-hmm. talented right out of the gate i mean she had only i mean she playing guitar in two weeks and you know she'd never strummed a guitar showed her i guess your brother showed you a couple chords i guess no i watched your fingers on stage oh. and then learned <laughs> learned g c and d yeah i make an eagle claw yes <laughs> a little dragon <laughs> an dragon. eagle claw i don't know what yeah. you call this I, I learned g c and d from watching his hands on stage and then going and looking up like the way oh, his wow. hands were I don't positioned. think I knew that. I think you're, I always thought uh-uh, your brother, wow, nope. look at you. And my uh, 
husband at the time had a guitar, so I just grabbed it off the wall and tried my best to play a song and write those, you know, use those chords. And, and then I it. wrote a song about leaving that husband who owned that guitar. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You should write, yeah, you, that's the song you write yeah. next. Yes. <laughs> I wrote Thanks this for song, your guitar. Yeah. I wrote this song on your guitar. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you go with With this new album that we've got coming out that we recorded with Shell Tommy, you know, legendary Shell Tommy, when we went out to L.A. to do only two tracks with Shell. Originally, it was just going to be two tracks. Uh, because uh, they're making this documentary about Shell, you know, who recorded The Who and The Kinks and David Bowie, and uh, he had never recorded country. And it's a weird story how we came to be in his sight, but he wanted to make a country album before you know, his bucket list thing. He's 85 now, and uh, they were filming this documentary at the very beginning of this documentary, and when it got out that, you know, he was going to record us, we went out. We thought we'd just make a 45, record two mm -hmm. old country standards. They filmed it for the documentary, and we thought, hey, we'll come out of this with two songs produced by Shel Tommy. Uh, but when we left that session, he was insistent that we have to do eight more. You know, eight more. He we said, need, let's make a full album. Let's do a full album. And, and we were like, sir, I have $10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to work. <laughs> so Chicken Ranch Records found the money, and we went back out there. Who do y'all get compared to? George and Tammy. George and Tammy. Johnny and June. All, All the of the typical classic country duos. Um, which we love. I mean, I don't mind at all. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's complimentary. Always. It's complimentary. I love that people can hear what they want to hear. You know, there are you know male female duets in rock and roll too. But man, you expect it from country music. Mm -hmm. You know, we, uh, and so I love that we you know get to help carry on that tradition. You know, of Loretta and Conway, and that we you know we do some of all of those people, and you know. People really love it, but they, you know, I guess they hear what they want to hear, you know. Yeah. I get a lot of Johnny Cash, you know, it's like, I don't sound like Johnny Cash, but I love you for thinking that, you yep. know. Music, like all art, is subjective, you know. Uh, I've gotten much kinder. When I was a younger man and uh, my career was first starting out, you know, and couldn't get, you know, when the I was in Nashville and they're telling the record label, there's too much fiddle and dobro on this record to be on country radio. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was very vocal about my... Uh, 
dislike for the establishment and pop country radio, you know, but as I've gotten older, you know, I realize, man, it's, you know, those people relate to it. No matter what you think of it, you know, somebody, that song means the world to somebody else. You need to dial that back in. Don't, yeah, I realize that it looked tacky, you know, so I may absolutely hate something, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to express that to someone, you know, that's a fan of yours. And they said, oh, I like so-and-so. And I'm like, that is just garbage. There's nothing country about that. It's like, man, you know, what kind of a impression am I giving that person? They like your music too. And you're going to tell them, you know, basically tell them you have terrible taste in music as they're complimenting your music. <laughs> I you don't know, ever so. <laughs> say it to the people that stay. I'm, I sound like oh, I Dobbin. used to be mouthy about it. I'm not it. just I used like, to be, get out. I used to be so angry. Matt Nashville made me an angry fella. Uh, you know, I, I just couldn't stand it. It's like, don't get me started about Garth Brooks. You know, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, but now it's like, hey, dial that in, man. That's not, yeah. that's, that's tacky. And, you know, it's just... I just don't have that anger anymore. Kira has worn the anger right out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I took the brunt of it for, no, I'm just, uh, I didn't. Uh, oh, my, hey, when I get home, I'm going to trash pop country up and down one side and up <laughs> down the other. I'm kidding. No, you're not. He's no, not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> is your disdain for Nashville as a town, um, is that what keeps you here in Atlanta and the Atlanta area and Georgia? Well, so the thing with it now is man with technique once upon a time nashville was relevant you had they had to be there that's where everybody with all the district you know everybody you know all the banks a record label is really nothing but a bank you know and that's where the people with all the power and and the money to afford the equipment to record you know back then man you know that that stuff was high dollar now with technology and the internet and all that other thing it doesn't matter where you don't have to live in Nashville. You know, an, another big reason a lot of people live in Nashville because it's easy touring. You're on a hub. You can get to a lot of places fast, you know. Atlanta's kind of that way. Um, but I don't know where I'm going We stayed that. here for as long as we did because East Cobb has really good schools. Mm -hmm. And we have a child that needed that schooling. So we stayed for as long as we did because of that, not because of the music scene. For a country yeah. artist, Atlanta is a really hard town. It is. It's a card. But my, I remember what I was going to say about Nashville. Now <laughs> that town was very. Uh, it's, it's, it was a rough time, man. When you when you sacrifice everything, you know, to music is my religion, man. And I've put music first over everything since I, the day I made that promise to myself. Music comes first over everything, over family, over everything, which is a selfish view I guess but more people man we have friends all the time that ask us you know it's like how do you do it how do you play music and make a living at it you know and it's like man we you say are, we don't know yeah I was like I don't know <laughs> am I making a living uh my you know I was like man you are never going to do it unless you just do it it's got to be the first thing and I'm not saying you can't have a side hustle or a job on the side because Lots of people do it, but if that if you can't go on tour because of your job, then you're not you don't have your priorities right. You know the only way you're going to do it is to do it. You know it's got to come first. It's got to mm -hmm. be everything first. Not saying you can't have a side hustle, but more people, man, I hung on that cross. I, you know, it came it came first. It comes first. You know because that's the only way you're ever going to get push that rock up that hill. Mm -hmm. Have you missed out on anything because music came first? Oh, yes, a yes. lot of things. Like what? I mean, I could have been, a, you know, I could have been in my daughter's life a lot more. I mean, we have a good relationship and I've been in her life every day. It wasn't, there isn't a day that goes by, you know, 
that that you we don't talk. You could have been physically present a lot more. But I wasn't. Yeah. Same with me. I could have been physically present for my son a lot more. But you know, my my art came first. It is my is my religion. It's my reason, my purpose for being here. You know, a lot of people. It's funny, like when you go back to your hometown and play, you know, and you see your peop- your friends that you went to high school with that are now, you know, working at the factory or whatever there in town, you know, and they're like, man, I'm so jealous. You're living the dream. You know, you're living your life. And it's like, man, uh, oh, man, you know, you don't know the sacrifice that that's taken. You know, it's like, look at you and your big house and your nice mm-hmm. job and your big, happy, you know, family that you're, you know, you're, it's like you have that. And I, I've, I've, you know. I've scraped by for years and years, you know, struggled. Yeah, financial security is, is at this level anyway, it's not something that we're seeing every day. It's growing. It's it's Um, a hustle every day. But it's constant work. So I think, you know, for me, I gave up, you know, obviously time with my kid and uh, a lot of my own peace to be here. Got me under your spell again, saying those things again, making me believe that you're just mine. You got me dreaming those dreams again, thinking those things again. I've gotta take you back just one more time. Got me under your spell again, saying those things again, making me believe that you're just mine. You got me dreaming those dreams again, thinking those things again. I've gotta take you back just one more time. Everybody tells me that I'm a fool And that I should have never put my faith in you But way down deep inside I guess I know it's true That no one else can make me feel the way you do You've got me under your spell again Saying those things again Making me believe that you're just mine You've got me dreaming those dreams again Thinking those things again I've got to take you back just one more time I've got to take you back just one more time I've got to take you back just one more time you know, I, I could only imagine that hell is being on your deathbed. I was a art director for Bell South, you know, because I'm an artist too. I was an art director for Bell South when I got my record deal. 
I was playing as much as I could with some people that were kind of established, but my security blanket was this Bell South paycheck that I had, you know? And when I gave myself to music, uh, you know, my divorce happened because of music. And uh, <clears throat> I was like, music is gonna be everything, I don't care. I'm gonna give myself to music. And this, I got this voice in my head that just said, every day, play music and everything will be okay. Play music, everything will be okay. If you have a problem, if a, a trouble comes your way, are you gonna die, are you gonna go to jail? No, calm down, play music, everything will be fine. And all I could think was, you know, hell must be laying on your deathbed wondering what if. Hmm. What if I had gone and played music and to see if I could do it instead of climbing this corporate ladder? You know, and it's like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to do this, you know, and it's, I know it's what I'm here to do. I have a, we have a peace of mind that I don't think a lot of people, I know exactly why I'm here. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to do this. And if I just continue to play music, everything will sort itself out. The universe, God, or whatever you want to call it, will take care of you. Just keep playing music. The day I stop playing music, if I woke up tomorrow and just said, I can't do this anymore, I'm done, you might as well go ahead and size up my casket because it's done, it's over. You took away my purpose, my meaning in life. My voice just says to stay with him, and that's playing music. So it's more about him. <laughs> Then it is, I love the music. I love that part of our lives. I love that we get to see so much of the world through music. I had barely left Georgia when I met Willie, and now I've seen now so- she's been to so many different countries and so yeah. many different states. Music- and We've been all over and music took us takes there. Us, music but takes for me, the biggest, the biggest draw is him. Thanks for listening to the Peach Jam Podcast. Find the Waymore's complete musical performances on the GPB YouTube page. Next time, I'll be joined in studio by a rapper who is signed to Eminem's record label. That was the one that kind of just like put me on the map. And that's the one that Eminem heard and, you know, reached out to me about, so. Grip is on the next episode of the Peach Jam Podcast. The Peach Jam Podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Jeremy Powell. Sandy Malcolm is our executive producer. Sound engineering and recording was provided by Sounds Good. Follow us on Instagram at Peace Jam Podcast and look for Peace Jam on TV wherever you watch Georgia Public Broadcasting. In the meantime, please find and support live local music and independent record stores in your area. 